Hello and welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our sermon series through Luke. Thank you for listening. Betrayal is an ugly and a brutal word. Betrayal, by definition, listen, is to treat a friend as an enemy. You probably, if you have any sort of life experience, have been or felt betrayed at some point. Betrayal is to be unfaithful to a friend or a loved one to break their trust. When we experience betrayal, it seems like, at least in the moment, that we'll never come back from that. Betrayal by someone close to you, hear me, this is what I wrote down, it's one of the most painful experiences this earth has to offer, and most of us would choose physical pain over the pain of betrayal. I know I would. Betrayal is what leaves so many today bitter and resentful at life, and even at, in Christ and his church. And listen, I know many of you have experienced betrayal in the form of a church leader or pastor betraying you, and it still stings today. Years after, I wish I could tell you I'm completely healed, but there are times it pops back up, and I have mean thoughts, like I'd love to go punch that guy. Many of our church understand betrayal through the lens of foster care as well. Listen, where betrayal for you and I can often lead to bitterness, resentment, hurt, pain, rejection, here's what I want you to hear today through the text in Luke 22. The betrayal of Jesus brought you and I salvation. We know betrayal well as Christians because in our heart of hearts, we know that we have betrayed the one who created us and who offers us salvation. In one way or another, we have betrayed our very own Savior. And every time we choose to sin, choose to go our own way, choose to disobey, we continue to betray the one who died in our place. But Jesus doesn't run from our betrayal. He doesn't reject us. Because of our betrayal, rather, he runs to us and towards us and holds fast to us even when we try to betray. And so Luke 22 is an account of the betrayal of Christ that leads up to Christ offering his life for our sin. Today, my prayer is that the heavy words that we're going to read about betrayal and the heavy idea of betrayal will paint a deeper picture for you of the love of a Savior. That as we just sang and read that he was despised. He was rejected and ignored. Do you know in Isaiah 53, it says this phrase. It says, like one from whom men would hide their faces. And the idea there in Hebrew is that when you would see Jesus coming, you would look away so as hope, to hope to not to make eye contact. I mean, the son of suffering that gave up his life to be betrayed, to suffer, to die, so that he could defeat sin for us, so that he could make a way for us to get back to God. The visual of his betrayal in Luke 22 is the reminder that we are weak because of sin, yet he is not weak. He is sinless and was our perfect, unblemished sacrifice, who, listen, Hebrews 12 tells us, joyfully endured the cross because it meant offering forgiveness for you and I. So as you think on the cross this week, one of the things I would remind you of is Hebrews 12 too, that he joyfully endured the cross because he knew of the forgiveness that would be offered to you and I. And can you, he joyfully endured the cross. So if you'll look with me, again, we're going to cover a lot of verses this morning, so there'll be a little bit of reading. 
Luke 22, verse 1 says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. Uh, we probably would need weeks to cover Passover, but Passover was the most significant religious holiday of that time. And the chief priests, verse 2, and the scribes, the religious leaders, or the preachers of that day, were seeking to put him to death, for they feared the people. Listen, they were seeking, the religious leaders were seeking to put Jesus to death because they feared the uprising and the followers that were after him. The religious people who should have been preparing for that most important religious holiday, Passover, were instead preoccupied with finding a way to get rid of or murder Jesus. Number one, missing Passover because they were distracted. Can we just pause and can I just implore you, write this down and don't miss Easter because of distractions that don't really matter. Listen, that ham and that meal and that table may feel really important Easter Sunday. Order Papa John so you can celebrate the risen Savior. And number two, they were trying to kill Jesus, which would have been sinful. <laughs> Isn't it wild that these are obviously wrong to you and I when we look at them, yet they could not see them? Is that not the case with you and I so often? Like we need other people to point out that stuff, that we miss the most important things so often because we're distracted by the worst things out there. I mean, don't miss Easter. Don't let your family. Verse 3 says, then Satan entered Judas and called Iscariot, who was a number of the 12. This is the first betrayal you're going to see. And he went away and conferred with the chief priests of how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and they agreed to give him money. Do you see that? And they were glad. Like, as you read through this, there's just some weighty passages that are just sickening. Like, they were glad. The religious leaders are glad to find a way to kill Jesus. Verse 6, so he consented and saw an opportunity to betray him in the absence of a crowd. Man, the first betrayal we see is Jesus is betrayed by one of the 12. I realize we are quick to go, well, Judas, you know, he, he was rough. He was a bad guy. Like, we're quick to throw him under the bus because he was Judas. Judas was still one of the 12. Man, he spent time with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He traveled and lived with Jesus. This was someone who was close to Jesus. And yet he still betrayed him. Man, this, this first account, this would have weighed heavy on him. But do you also see this last phrase in verse 6? It says, so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him. Look what it says. In the, in the absence of a crowd. And he wanted to hide his betrayal. He didn't want others to know that he was going to betray the one. He didn't want to get caught. Man, there's something so incredibly dark about that, is there not? He's already conferred with the chief priest to take money to go, here's Jesus, go murder him. And he wants to do it in a way that no one else sees. Listen, one of the narratives of Scripture is there's no hiding as Christians. That The Scripture teaches that God always brings dark things to light. So the thing you feel like you might be hiding now, it will not be hidden long. We, only, we often only reflect on the betrayal of Judas. But what we'll see here in the final days of Jesus' life is so much more betrayal. Continue to read with me. So right following this account... Jesus is going to go have the Passover meal with the disciples in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John. Look at the little miracle just woven in this. Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. Then he said, where will you, where will you have us prepare it? We have no home. We have nowhere to go. Where are we? I mean, what's in that question is not where, like the picnic table, but like where. We have nowhere. Verse 10, he said to him, Behold, when you go into a city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. That's a little bit crazy, just so we're clear. 
That is me going, hey, run over here to Chick-fil-A, find the guy carrying three Chick-fil-A cups, follow him, go to his house. That's where we're meeting later. It's that. Tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where, my, where I may eat with the Passover of my disciples? And he says, I will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they found it just as he had told them. And they prepared for the Passover. Now, one of these guys, Peter, is going to betray Jesus in just a minute. Yet he had the faith to go to somebody's house he didn't know and prepare a meal. Verse 14, but let's, let's just kind of press on. We don't have time, right? And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have earnestly desired to sit with you, to eat this meal with you before I suffer. For I'm not going to eat again until the kingdom of God is fulfilled, verse 16. And then you get the, the, where we get our communion from. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I will tell you now that I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And you know this. We do communion. He says, This is my body, which is given for you. Do in remembrance of me. This is what today's about. This is what Friday's about. This is what Holy Week is about. Remembering Christ's body will be broken for me. Verse 20, And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. Now, you have to know, just aside, the disciples had no clue what he was talking about. They were clueless in his understanding as to what was happening. But look what he says. Verse 21, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. It's very specific, isn't he? Like Judas's hand is on the table. And they began to question one another which of them it could be that's going to betray him. So there's betrayal again. Jesus just acknowledged betrayal by Judas is coming. But, but, but look at the shift in conversation. This is a continuation of what's already happening. And in that continuation, verse 24 says, so Jesus has just said, my body broken, my blood spilled, somebody here at the table is going to betray. And then look at this, says, verse 24, a dispute rose among them as to which was to be regarded as the greatest. I need you to know, this would be us sitting in this room on Sunday, and Jesus is also here with us, and we all begin to argue and fight and go, no, I'm the greatest. No, I serve the most. No, I give the most. No, I do the most. Do you know how? This, that, that is this argument. They're in the presence of Jesus going, I'm the greatest disciple of Jesus, even better than Jesus. And he said to them, the kings of Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. You almost get the impression that Jesus is going to go, whew, right? Do, do you not see it? I just told you my body's going to be broken, my blood spilled, and here you are arguing over who's the greatest disciple? Verse 26, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you be the youngest, and the leader the one who serves. You want to lead, serve, he's saying. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? And then he's going to answer it. It is not the one who reclines at the table. But I am among you as the one who serves. Man, hear me, church. Jesus came to serve. And through serving, he became the king. And you are those who have stayed with me in my trials, verse 29, and I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom, that you may never eat or drink at my table in the kingdom and sit at the throne judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And please see in this section, there's another betrayal. He's betrayed by an argument of who is the greatest in his very presence. We are created to worship Jesus. And in this moment, instead of worshiping Christ, they're beginning to worship themselves. If there's ever a time to brag on your faithfulness as a Christian, it's probably not a good time to do that with Jesus in the room. But here we are. 
And Jesus is going to say, listen, the one who is greatest is the one who is served. So the one who serves, not the one who is served. Can we just say and see the betrayal of this? This is man's wicked heart on display. When Christ is in the final hours of his life, his closest followers, this is not just some random group. This is his closest followers are arguing over who is the greatest while they're with Jesus. And as a result, they have betrayed Jesus because they've taken the attention off the Lord and attempted to place it on themselves. And this account wows me because these were men who had been with him for three years yet still betrayed him by seeking the place of worship or attention that is solely due to Jesus himself. And do you see the betrayal in that? Who's the greatest? Well, Jesus is. He's with us. Yeah, he's okay. But did you see? But then it continues, verse 31. You read this, and it's as if they, Jesus doesn't get their attention. Simon, Simon, so he doesn't call him Peter. Kind of interesting. Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But look what it says, but I have prayed for you. Can you imagine standing in the presence of Christ? And he's like, I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But look at Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you do not know me. And talk about betrayal. This is not one of those situations where you're at Target and you see somebody you really don't want to talk to, so you turn the other way. This is not that. We all do that. This is completely different. This is I know him. And what we're going to see three times, I'm going to deny him. Listen, this teaches us here in verse 31 through 34 that he is betrayed by even his closest friends and his dearest disciple. Hey, Peter, Satan's coming for you. Be ready. Peter says, oh, I'm ready. Prison, death, whatever. And Jesus has to look at him. And so there's not a correction, but I think it's Jesus has to look at him and say, listen, you're not. You're going to deny me three times. Listen, here Peter denies Jesus and betrays Jesus by unbelief. There's unbelief. I mean, Jesus knew his betrayal was coming and attempts to tell him. And Peter rejects this from the Lord. Lacks belief in the Savior. Thereby, thereby, here's what he's doing. He's placing belief in himself. I'm strong enough. I won't deny you. I have strong faith. And in that moment, it's no longer about Christ. It's about Peter. He's no longer placing his faith in the Lord, but in himself. And so Peter denies him through unbelief. But you continue, verse 35. And he said to them, uh, I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals. Did you lack anything? And what do they say? Nothing. So again, this, they're reminded of what he's done and how he's provided. And he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with transgressors for what was written about me as its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, that is enough. And you continue on. He says, and he came out and went as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them for about a, a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. 
And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. This morning, as I was kind of going over my notes, I was reminded in this moment, even in this moment, his physical body is beginning to betray him, is it not? You have never, I don't think you can tell me later, but have prayed so hard, stressed so much, that like the capillaries, if I'm losing that right, busting your brain, you can correct me later, and blood begins to come out rather than tears and sweat kind of a thing. His body is failing on him. His body is betraying him even in this moment. But you continue. And when he rose from prayer, get this, he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may enter temptation. What do you see here? He's betrayed by his own disciples' prayerlessness. He's betrayed through human weak flesh. And he's betrayed when they choose to sleep rather than pray, which I'll be honest, I'm guilty of. Anybody ever went to pray and all of a sudden you wake up? Oh, what just happened? Have a few kids, you will, okay? In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus comes to them actually three different times. Hey, wake up and pray. Hey, wake up and pray. And the third time, he's like, what are you doing? Wake up and pray. He knows what is coming, and he's pleading for them from closest to them to pray. Man, this betrayal of prayerlessness. Man, let's be careful. Let's never be a people who haphazardly throw out praying for you with no intention of actually doing so. That's betrayal, is it not? Yet this is exactly what the disciples do to him. Praying for you, Jesus. Head on over there. We're going to catch a nap. Verse 47. When he was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And he drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray me? With a kiss. And so we have here, he's betrayed with a kiss. And when those who were around him saw that what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And you, you may have heard this account before. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. There's so much in 51, we could probably do a whole sermon. Number one, he stops and he says, man, don't. And really what he's saying, he's saying it to the disciples. He's saying, hey, don't stop this. This has to happen for you. If you stop them arresting me, you don't know, realize what you're stopping. But not only that, he touches the guy and heals him as if it's no big deal. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temples and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs when I was with you day after day in the temple and you did not lay hands on me? You see what he's, he knows them. This isn't people he's never met or seen. He knows them. He recognizes them. But he says, but this is your hour. Look at this dark statement again. But this is your hour in the power of darkness. You see, again, he's betrayed with a kiss. I mean, imagine, can you imagine the intense stare when Judas and Jesus have that interaction in verse 47 and 48? When they lock eyes, and then a fight breaks out. Jesus heals a guy. And then he says, this is your hour, the power of darkness. It's important to note that Jesus, even all the way up to his death, never resists or fights back. He could have wiped them out. Jesus gives no body for suffering in his life to death. On his, excuse me, Jesus gives up his body for suffering, his body to arrest, and his life to death on his own accord. No one takes Jesus' life. The author and the creator of life gives up his life on his own accord. So please notice as we read, Jesus hasn't to be beaten into submission. He's very willing to go. Then verse 54, and they seized him, and they led him away, and bringing into the high priest's house, and Peter was following. And you just underline this, at a distance. 
And we could do all kind of sermons on do you follow or do you follow at a distance, but there's denial in that, is there not? But let's just kind of keep going. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, they sat down together, and Peter sat down among them. This courtyard was small. Jesus would have been a, to use an analogy they used earlier, a throne, a stone's throw away. They would have seen him, and yet they're sitting around this fire. Then a servant girl seeing him, verse 56, as he sat in the light, this is Peter, looking closely at him, she said, hey, this man was also with Jesus. And what does he say? Verse 57, he denied it, saying, what woman? I do not know him. There's one. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And there's two. And after an interval of about an hour, first of all, Peter's a fool. He's still there, right? But they insisted saying, certainly this man was with him, for he too is from the same place. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. In, in other gospel accounts, it says that Peter cursed the third person. In verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And that's heavy, is it not? Peter's denied him three times after he's been told he's going to deny him three times. And in that moment, you get the impression, not the impression, but the truth, that Jesus looks over at Peter and they lock eyes. And look what it says, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. So here in this section, we see that he's betrayed by denial by even his closest disciple. You continue in verse 63, it says, Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him to prophesy, Who is it that hit you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. And in this section, you see he's betrayed by his creation. By people he created are now mocking him. Then the last section of Luke 22 says, And when the day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. So he's betrayed by <laughs> false allegations. And I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of God. So they said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. Which is our way of saying, yes. What you say is true. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard from ourselves with our own lips. What I want you to see in this moment is that he's even betrayed by the most religious of people. Look who has him on trial. Are you the son of God? You say that I am. Yes, I am that person. And in this moment, he's betrayed by the religious. As you read through this account of Luke 22, you see all these betrayals take place. Listen, he's betrayed with a kiss. He's betrayed by unbelief. He's betrayed through unfaithfulness. He's betrayed by prayerlessness. He's betrayed with a denial. He's betrayed with an argument of who is greatest. He's betrayed by rejection. He's betrayed by an arrest. He's betrayed by his own creation. He's betrayed by those he loves. He's betrayed by those who genuinely love him. He's betrayed by mockery. He's betrayed by the religious. He's betrayed by you, me, and all peoples. And find yourself in those betrayals. Where do you land? I don't know about you, but half that list is me. But hear me today, church. There are thousands of ways that you 
and that we have betrayed Jesus, choosing to sin, apathy in the things of God and in worship, not keeping his word or his commandments, not participating in his suffering, in his affliction, in his humiliation, but seeking escape from this religious life, from church, from the things of God, by running to our own devices, by placing trust in our own strength rather than his, by not repenting when repentance is necessary. You and I consistently and constantly even betray Jesus, yet never once has he ever betrayed you or I. And the good news of Luke 22 is that although we betray him consistently, he never has and never will betray you and I. You have to see all of this betrayal, though, to get here. And you really even have to begin to see your own. And make your list and then burn it because he did. Listen, I'm going to write this down. Where we are weak, he is not. The reason you and I betray him is we are weak. He is not. Never once has he betrayed you or me. Never once will he betray you or me. Where betrayal leaves our world bitter and cold, listen, the betrayal of Jesus brought our salvation. And the good news is though I betray him often, he has never will and he never will betray me. My track, my track record is betrayal. His is faithfulness. This is why our salvation, our life, our joy, please hear this part is not found in our goodness, in our effort, but in Christ alone. If you seek to get to God through fixing things yourself, doing all the good you can, being a good person, you will never get to God because you are weak. However, Christ is not. And therefore, he does not hold our betrayal against us. Rather, he offers us new life in him. Our betrayal, hear me, your betrayal, want to hear some good news, was crushed on the cross of Christ, dealt with and crucified. He no longer sees us as betrayers, but as sons and daughters of the king. I don't know about you, but I'll take that all day long. Because while we were still weak, he was not. This is why we worship. This is why we celebrate. This is why we sing, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And wonder how he could love me. What? A sinner? Unclean. And to honor the king who took our betrayal upon himself and replaced it with salvation. Your reflection of your betrayal should not bring you back to shame, but to the remarkable, beautiful, joy-filled gospel. So let me end with this verse. I want, to write it, I want you to write it down, and I want you to run with it all week. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. And it says this. And I break it down into six lines because it just makes sense to me that way. It says, for our sake, yours and mine, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're declared righteous even though we betray because we have a Savior who took that to the cross, gave himself for us. And we have an opportunity to sing about that now, to celebrate that, to dwell on that this week. And I pray you would. I pray you would hear Hebrews 12 too that says, for the joy and he endured the cross because he knew it would bring forgiveness to you and I reconciling what was broken. God, would you draw us to you? God, would you help us to believe this truth that we betray, but you don't. That you run to us in our betrayal, that you care about us in our betrayal, and you don't let us get too far. You hold us fast. 
God, I pray for the, the person in the room or watching online who is for the first time hearing this message. Jesus, would you lead them to place faith in you? Would you lead them to a place of forgiveness and repentance? Would you lead them to know you? And if you need to have that conversation or pray with someone, I'll be available after the service and I would love to do that. God, I pray um, just real specifically that this week we would spend time reflecting on the cost for you, but the gain for us of what this week holds. We wouldn't just walk into another Easter going, here we are, new shirt, new dress, but we would walk in going, I'm celebrating the fact that I have life even beyond this life. God, would you stir our hearts for your son Jesus even now? God, we need you and we love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent.